Amen. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome, the brave, the few. <laughs> Actually, there's quite a few here. That's great. Praise the Lord. This is, uh, this is a good morning. I, I love to hear the thunder, the power of God outside while we're singing his praises inside. Welcome. If this is your first time, welcome. I'm glad you could be here with us. My name is David Mathis. I am the English pastor. You have Ruben Barbosa over here as our Spanish pastor. We have two services. Um, God has put us together as, as a church with two languages and one hope. Um, and uh, this morning, uh, we're trying something new. We, we have the Facebook Live thing going for the service. We have a separate stream that went for the worship. That's a new thing now. So if, if you're tuned into this, go back in the feed a little bit, and you can catch the worship as well. If you're there, snuggled up, cozy on the couch, watching the online feed, um, I don't blame you. We were thinking about putting a little fake fireplace over in the corner over here. That'd be great to make it homey. Um, well, welcome. I, I get off into a major tangent there. We're, we're continuing through our journey through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're into the second half of it now. In the first half, we're just looking at just this incredible description from God's perspective and from our experience of, of God's love and purpose towards us and what, what he is doing now in gathering a people to himself and what he accomplished through Christ in the cross. It's, it's incredible. And now, as we're getting into chapter 4, we're getting into the practical what does this look like actually in the church? What does this look like in our house, um, in our families, and as us as, as individuals? <clears throat> when you look back at the last couple of years, or maybe at different times in your life, I imagine there's times where you could say there was growth in your life. That in some aspect of your life, a period of time, and it could have been going through some difficulty or just, um, just a season of your life where there was growth. And sometimes we're looking for that. Uh, you might be in a season now where you're just surviving. You're not thinking about how you're growing as an individual, growing as a family. Um, but then there's other seasons of life where you're really focused on uh, growing in some aspect of your life. When we first moved to Texas, uh, that was very much what God put on our heart, um, to seek the Lord and, and to get our house in order. That's, that's what we said at the time. And uh, we were seeking the Lord for what he was going to do with us. We didn't have a specific direction except that we needed to get our house in order for what he had next. And many of you have heard our testimony. Uh, since I'm the one that stands up here and speaks, you get to hear it over and over again. Um, but in that time, when we finally settled, God led us to where we were going to finally land here in Kyle. That wasn't our original destination, but we didn't have a specific destination we just sought the Lord and ended up landing here in Kyle. And um, for that first couple of months here, we really wanted that time to be where we were going to get our house in order. We wanted uh, to grow as a family. And we saw a, a difference. We, we saw a need for that in our family. We, we saw this objective of, of what in our minds was a healthy family. And that's not where we were at. And so what we did, Elizabeth and I came up with this plan that every week, at the end of the week, after the kids had gone to bed, we would get together and we would sit down and we would just talk about how did this past week go? And, and we had this growing list of things that we would examine. 
How did we do uh, with exercise? How did we do with our diet? How did we do with the kids and, and spiritually and physically? Um, how did homeschooling go? How, how, how did our, our own time together as, as husband and wife, how, how's that going? And we would look at each of those, we would, we would talk about it, and we said, okay, what are we going to do different next week on each of those areas? And then come to the end of that week, and we would do the same thing, adding more to that list. Some incredible things came out of that. And as a result, we enjoyed uh, more intimacy together. We enjoyed a closer-knit family. Uh, we employed things like doing devotions with the kids, um, praying together as a couple, something that we had stopped doing for years before that. Um, lots of good, healthy things came out of that, and our house was coming in order. Um, that was wonderful, and I highly recommend that as a practice, but we've seen, even since then, over the, the five, almost six years since then, an even more powerful transform in our family and not because of that method that we came up with, which is a pretty good method, but because of a work that God was doing in his design to get our house in order. And I can tell you, while we have this kind of view of what a house in order looks like, Jesus has a view of what a house in order looks like that's far beyond that and results in much greater intimacy, much greater dynamics of a family, beyond what we can really imagine and we won't fully know until we are there with him. So what we're looking at this morning, I'm going to go back a little bit because what, what we had in the previous chapters was just God describing um, what his purpose was. And what we're going to start getting into is how God is going to do that. But I want to look again at his purpose uh, for us, and, and we saw, uh, particularly in the end of chapter 2, where he had been talking about how he had reconciled us to God, and by doing that, he'd also reconciled us to each other, and specifically between Jews and Gentiles, there's no longer a hostility there, and he had, out of multiple peoples, created one people um, for himself. And so if we look in chapter 2 and verse 19... It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, talking to Gentiles, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So there's the kingdom of God that we are uh, citizens of, but this is also a family joined together with everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. To everyone who believes in Christ, now we are joined together as a family, as the household of God. And then in, in, chapter, in verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We talked about that. This foundation laid, Jesus Christ being that cornerstone, directing everything that's going to happen in this house, and then uh, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Verse 21, in whom, in Christ, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And that's my first point, is that we are growing into a holy temple. We think about growing in our lives, growing in, in our families, growing as a church. We're growing into a holy temple. What does that even mean? 
growing into a holy temple. That sounds great, but practically in my life, what does that mean? In verse 22, he kind of restates 21, but now in the scope of the Ephesian church, he says, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So now by the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ, being built up as a holy temple, a dwelling place for God. The, The temple for the Jews was that place among the Jews that God would dwell among his people. Now we are as a people being built up into a dwelling place for God. A dwelling place is a place that God resides. It's relationship. It's God spending time with us and us spending time with him. This God's purpose is that we are built up into a holy temple. Let's look uh, in 1 Peter. Chapter 2. Or sorry, chapter. Oh, I'm in the wrong first. I'm in the first John. There we go. 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, starting in verse 14. Peter says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That was, as we saw in Ephesians, that, that chapter 2, dead in our, in our sins and following the course of this world. He says, Don't be. Uh, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Why does God want us to be holy? Because he's holy and he wants to have relationship with us. And for us to really enjoy intimacy with God in this family that is God's family, I need to be holy like he is. Elizabeth and I enjoyed greater intimacy in our family because our family was coming in order. This, now that we're going to be getting into, is God's plan for getting his house in order. And his purpose of making us holy and blameless before him has a purpose of relationship in it so that we can know him and have a greater level of intimacy with him. All right, so now let's look uh, in the passage that we're actually going to cover this morning. In chapter 4, we already covered the first six verses. Last week, starting now in verse 7, God's plan for getting his own house in order. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended from the lower regions of the earth, into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, 
by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, we confess and recognize this morning that you are the head of this body. You are head of the, of the church universal. Of everyone who is called on your name, you're the head of this church, Hope Church. And God, we, we want to know your plan for getting your house in order. God, we want to be a part of that. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to that end. God, we want to have intimacy with you, and in that, God, we want a greater intimacy with each other. God, we know that your idea of a household that is in order, that is good, is so much greater than what we can conceive. So, God, show us your truth this morning. Help us to take in your word and to understand what you'd have us to do as part of your family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. In verse 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Every person, that's you, every person in this church has been gifted to participate in God's plan for building up this body and to getting this house in order. Every person has been gifted by Christ. This, is, this grace and gifting is something that we've seen already when Paul was talking about himself. Uh, we saw that uh, in the last chapter, chapter 3, in verse 7. Paul said, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So that it's described over and over again as God's grace and in his power being given to us as gift of his calling on our life. And it's specific and unique to each of us. He has a purpose for your life. And, and, and when it's saying according um, according to the measure of Christ's gift in verse 7, this is, this is Christ. This is our head deciding you and you and you. I have a specific purpose, and I am going to give you what you need for that purpose, and I'm going to empower you through the Holy Spirit to that purpose. So each of us is in that. And in verse uh, verse 8 I'll have to explain this one a little bit, um, but let's take it. In, in, well, verse 8, 8 through 10. So in 8, it says, therefore it says, and he's supporting his statement in 7 with a quote from Psalms. It says, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He's quoting from Psalms and saying, this is talking about Christ's ascension and Christ giving gifts to men. That's that's. Uh, why he quoted it there. And then in verse 9 through 10, we have this parenthesis. He's going to explain himself a little bit. He says, 
In saying he ascended, uh, what does it mean that he also had descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, there are, there are a lot of theologians that I highly respect that have different ideas on what descended means. Um, and I, I don't want to get into that because that's not his focus here. His purpose in this parenthesis is he's explaining his use of this quote to support his statement at the beginning that Christ gave gifts. And so what's in focus here is the ascension and the giving of gifts. That's, that's his main point. He says, look who this is. He's, he's supporting the fact that who is mentioned in that, that Psalms passage is Christ. It's talking about Christ. Traditionally, that Psalms passage was, was taken to be talking about Moses and Sinai. Um, and so he's saying, I'm using this passage, and this is talking about Christ's ascension. And so we have there in verse 10, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Where have we seen that language before? At the end of chapter 1, the one who ascended above all things that he might fill, above the heavens, that he might fill all things. Let's look again uh, in chapter 1, the end of chapter 1. Paul has this prayer for us. We already dug into this, but I want to read it again. And he's praying that the eyes of our heart would be open so that we would know the power of God to us. We'd, we would know God's purpose towards us. And in verse 19, he says, and, and that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. This is the power towards us. This is that same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named and not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under Christ's feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, that same language. And what, what he's saying here now is in this event, that's what this, this Psalms reference is talking about, is this event of Christ's ascension. And in that, Christ in his power has given gifts now to every individual of his body to accomplish what he has set out to do. How incredible it is what God's plan is and the power of God through Christ. So then it says in verse 11, and he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Now, this is actually saying he gave people now. <laughs> he gave gifts to every single one, but he's also giving particular people with the role of coming alongside his body and equipping them to do what they're supposed to do. So me, as your pastor, I've been given to this church. It's not about me at all. 
It's, it's our Lord and Savior saying, here, David, I'm going to empower you through my spirit, and I'm going to give you to this body, and I want you to do this. This is part of my plan to grow this body up. This is, this is our, our Lord and Savior executing his plan. And, and John and Jude and, and, and Reuben, and, and that, that's, these are God's gift to this body. And in every body, he has done this for the past 2,000 years. He has raised up ministers to give them to the body, and, and they're to equip for the ministry. They're not actually doing the ministry. And we'll get into what the ministry is. But, but their purpose, he, he's given us as an equipping factor to his body. And he's the one working through, as in each of us in the roles that he's going to give us. And, and to continue uh, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, that's the, that's the ministry, uh, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood, which is, is contrasted in the next verse, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Christ as our head, Christ as our foundation, Christ as the one empowering us, choosing us, building up this body into the fullness of Christ, into a holy temple where the presence of God can dwell and we can have intimacy with the Father. In verse 14, he's contrasting what, what mature manhood is. It says, so that we may no longer be children. He's still talking about why God has given ministers to the church. Uh, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So, so, so the role that I have, the role that the rest of the elders have, that God has given us, is, is really, there's two major points to that role. Um, one is, is an equipping role, and another is a guarding role, to, to guard against false doctrine. And, and we've got plenty of it. And it's not just for us. We're, we're equipping everyone here uh, to know Christ, to know the truth. And that's primarily how we guard is to teach the truth. And so when you see something that's not the truth, you go, wait, something's wrong with that. And boy, we get a lot of, we get a lot of schemes out there, craftiness. And they're not rooted in a purpose to unite us in Christ. What you'll see coming out of, out of deceitful schemes, and they're deceptive, which means they're going to have 90% truth in them. And just that little bit of something that's not right. And that little bit of something that's not right, that's how, that's how the devil, that's how our enemy, our adversary works, is, is he's a deceiver. And he wants you to feel good about something that's going to ultimately lead to death. So it's our responsibility as those God's given to the church to be extra watchful to guard against those things so that it doesn't hurt the body. And if something comes up uh, that, that's just starting to spread through, as, oh, this is this great thing in the body, we need to examine it. And we, we need to be extra careful. Every, everyone here should examine things. And you should examine what I say. 
If I'm saying this is coming out of the Bible, you, you check, just like the Bereans did. Does that really come out of the Bible? Um, and if, if you say, that doesn't sound right, David, you come up to me. We need to get this right. This is what's important, not, not David's ideas about things. But we need to be careful about uh, human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. He says in 15, rather, rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So there's these roles that God has given us um, as ministers, but he has gifted every individual in this church to a purpose. And while this this Ephesians passage doesn't get into what spiritual gifts are, I do want to touch on it briefly. Um, There's two places in the Bible where you can get lists. Uh, Neither of them matches. Neither of them, I think, are comprehensive. What's at work here is it's the power of God, the Spirit of God empowering us to do His purpose um, in building up the body. So let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, in, in verse 4. And I'm not going to get into the list. I'm just going to look at some of the, the purpose again. I can't talk and flip. 1 Corinthians 12. And the two passages are pretty easy to remember. You've got 1 Corinthians and Romans. Both of them, chapter 12, is where you're going to go to find lists of spiritual gifts. Pardon me. There we go. All right. 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, starting in verse 4. He's teaching them. They, they were... They're messing up with the gifts. They were so anxious to in, in Corinth to, to just, especially the, the gifts that were kind of showy and exciting, they wanted to have that happen. They, and they were so excited about that that they were missing the point of why God had given them these gifts. And we've already seen this, God's purpose in this gifting. But here again, he says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And we're going to see unity here in, in the description even of why we have gifts. In verse 5, and there are a variety of service. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. For to one is given, and I, actually, that's as far as I wanted to go. Uh, then he starts getting into specific details of different gifts. It's the power of God. It's going to result in unity when, it, when it's the Spirit of God working. And, and to just give you an idea of what some of those gifts are, um, I've got a list here. There's prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, uh, leadership, mercy, gift of mercy, gift of helps, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, working miracles, distinguishing of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. Those are all gifts that that are mentioned uh, in the different passages. Um, And it's important to know that there's difference of opinion among the church on what gifts are active today. Um, And and there's men I highly respect who are much more studied in the Bible who believe on different sides of some of those questions of of, of some of these gifts. And and one of of the beliefs, and, and there's some strong support for it, 
uh, is that some of these gifts were specifically God using them at that time as a sign to authenticate the gospel that was fresh and new. And, and there's something to that. Um, and they would say that those gifts are no longer used. And, and, and specifically, uh, gifts of healing and speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues are, are the ones that are more associated as sign gifts. And so you'll hear that term, sign gifts. Um, for myself, is I've studied this, and, and what we don't practice speaking in tongues here at this church, um, but I don't see, I have a difficulty seeing a strong case scripturally to say that they've, they've completely gone away. Um, but I don't have to worry so much about that because the scripture has given me the guards against gifts practiced incorrectly because I know what they're for. And I, know, I can spot right away if a gift or something in the name of being in the power of the Spirit is being used in a way that's not actually in the power of the Spirit because it's not going to have the fruit that the Spirit of God will always have as he's working through his people. It's going to be unifying. It's going to be benefiting to the body. It's going to be building up the body. And so I can know for sure if something's not of God. And so let's, let's focus primarily on the purpose of the power of God working. Um, honestly, if, if, if I could in a moment suddenly be able to speak Spanish fluently, <laughs> I would love that. And we have plenty of interpreters, so it, it would be to the benefit of the whole body. Um, and it it's not beyond God in a moment that that would be needed to give me the ability to suddenly speak Spanish for that moment. Okay, David, I need you right here. I'm going to give you the words to say. It's in the power of the Spirit, and do that. And it would be to the benefit of the body and to the raising of the body, possibly of bringing some that aren't knowing Christ into the fold. It would be the power of God at work. It's, I don't doubt that he can do that, and that's his prerogative to do. Um, it doesn't mean that suddenly, okay, now we're going to practice tongues in our church. I think for us, it would be so weird and strange and, and, and off the wall. It, it wouldn't have the effect of unity. And if it's not going to have the effect of unity, it's not of God. That's our standard. Is it meeting God's purpose in our church? So we have safeguards in the, as we look at gifts um, gifts aren't something necessarily that I can just invoke at any time. We've got to be careful of that. You know, God's given me a, sour, a superpower, and now I'm going to wield it. No, God doesn't submit to us. It's the other way around. It's the power of God working through me, me submitting to him. Paul, who, who did have a gift to heal, miraculously, prayed three times that God would heal him. And what did God say? My grace is sufficient for you. God's purpose is at work. It's not always just, okay, now I've got this superpower, I can wield it, and I'm gonna, it's always gotta be submission to God and what God's purpose is in us, um, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not our power. All right. Let's get back to the purpose. Why has God empowered every person in his body uniquely with spiritual gifts? Um, there is one common ministry that we have together. 
And each of us is a part of it uniquely because how God has made us and how he has gifted us, how he has empowered us. And we see it here in verse 15 and 16. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. This is a ministry of truth and love. That's the ministry that we all share that all of us should be actively participating in, in the, in the aspect of how God has designed you. Um, God has gifted Gaston back there, who's, who's continuing to serve as we, as we go, uh, with service is one of the things, that it's, that it's a spiritual gift. How do I know that's a spiritual gift and not just that Gaston is good at that? Because when Gaston does it, it looks like he's working hard, but for him, it's easy, often, when he's in the power of the Spirit. <laughs> but, and, and it has an effect that's positive to those around him, that's building up. The, the Spirit of God is working through him in that. And it doesn't mean that service is the only way that God's going to work through him. Uh, you don't just find, okay, this is the one niche that the Spirit of God uses me. You'll find there's multiple ways. There's particular ways that he likes to use you a lot. Um, but as you're examining, how has God made me the things to look for is where is there fruit in those around me? Where, what are the things that when I get involved in, it blesses the body? It, it results in something that I would say is bigger than me. And it doesn't, it, sometimes it coincides with, with the things that you're good at uh, just naturally, but sometimes it's not. He called me to preach and terrified of standing in front of people. That wasn't a natural thing for me. And he's, and he's now guiding me through that. But every Sunday, it's still an exercise of, okay, God, I'm trusting that you are going to give me the words to speak. Because honestly, when I was standing there right before coming up, I was going, God, what was I going to say again? <laughs> it's true. But he's done this so many times now, I've, I've stopped worrying about it so much because because he brings it back, the things that he was working through, through my mind and heart through the week and, and the notes here. I only hit half the notes. I don't hit everything here. But it's I trusting that he's going to work through it. And even if I fumble in my words, even if I, I don't say something quite right, um, or I can't remember that one thing that was going to be my big zinger, um, God's power working in it is going to have fruit that builds up the body, and that's going to be the same for you. So when you're examining, what is my spiritual gifts? Just start getting involved and look and see. If, it, if something's really difficult and hard and you just struggle with it every time you do it, well, the Spirit of God's probably not working in you in that area. But then you find this thing that it's just a joy. And as you do it, those around you are blessed by it, most likely the Spirit of God is using you in that way, and that's an area he wants to use you in the body. So back to truth and love. You can't separate those. A loyalty to truth without love is something that we've made an error of many times as, as Christendom. Um, it leads to forms of legalism. We stand for the truth. Where does, where does that lead? It leads to, if you want to be a part of this family, here's the rules. And if you don't follow these rules, you're out. You're not a legitimate child. 
what is the truth, the full truth, that we've been reading since the beginning of this, of God's purpose towards us and his love towards us, is that you are part of this family not because of what you've done, but because I loved you and I have adopted you as my own. And it's only through faith now that you can be saved. And, you, and now you're an adopted child of mine. And now for you to enjoy the fullness of intimacy in this family, here's the truth of what you need to do. That's completely different. Truth and love go together and have to go together. What about love without truth? We find that too. Love without truth is a love that's afraid to speak the truth, to say that water glass that you're holding is 90% water, but it's got that little bit of arsenic in it. And and I don't want you to feel bad about holding that cup of water. So in love, I'm going to call it love, I'm going to not tell you about what's in it. That thing that you're doing is leading towards death. But I don't want you to feel bad about it, so I'm not going to speak truth into your life. That's not love. That's, That's getting along. That's avoiding conflict. But real love going to speak in love, he's going to say, hey, brother, sister, you don't want to do that. Look at, look at the truth of God's word and encourage each other in the truth of God's word to follow the truth. We've been walking according to the ways of this world. That's where we started in, in chapter 2. So, so God has this plan to take us from there. He's, he's redeemed us. He, by his blood, he's, he's taking care of the penalty for that sin. And now we're reconciled to God and to each other, but we still have that course of this world. We still think in terms of the course of this world. And so there's got to be a growing of this family together to take on a whole new perspective of the world around us that's founded in his truth. And it's going to challenge a lot of things that we've just held to be good and the right way to think about who God is, about who we are, about who men are and women are and children and their their relationship to parents. All of those things, we have a way of looking at it that's founded in that course of this world, Ephesians chapter 2, the beginning of it. But God has this plan, and it's being executed by all of us together, working in a ministry of truth and love to build up the body into the fullness of Christ, which is those good works that he has for us to walk in. And we can encourage each other in that. It is not for Reuben and I and Jude and John to accomplish that. That is the ministry that's for the whole body to do, a ministry of truth and love. And you've got to do that in relationship. So in verse 15, it said, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And we basically have God's full game plan on getting his house in order right here in these two verses. And in verse 16, from whom? From Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. I think with the joints he's talking about, the ministers that are kind of holding the pieces together. When each part is working properly, that's every one of us, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That is God's plan. How glorious is God's plan? 
And we need to do that in relationship. I want us to be a church that exercises our spiritual gifts. And, and for us to really be able to do that, there's some amount of that that we can do on Sunday morning. And there's an incredible amount uh, of people that God has gifted this church with that are serving on Sunday morning. Um, but that's not the only place to exercise those spiritual gifts. You need to be meeting with other people in the body throughout the week. Small groups is a wonderful way to do that. But it's not the only way to do that. If God's connected you with somebody, go to coffee. Go, go get together and just share life together to be able to encourage each other. If you find out that, that God's gifted you to be able to see past <clears throat> that surface layer, hey, how's it going? I'm good. He's gifted some of us to see past that immediately and say, oh, no, it's not good. There's something that needs to be prayed for, something that needs to be encouraged, and, and he will use, if you're gifted that way, use it. Love those around you. And speak up and say, no, I, are you sure you're okay? <laughs> and, how, and maybe we can get together with coffee and, and talk about what's going on. I can pray for you. We need to be encouraging each other in truth and love. I want to go ahead and come on up, John. The, the ultimate message of truth and love that we have is the gospel itself. And if you don't know that, if you're not in a relationship with God, then the greatest truth that I can tell you is that things are not okay. The truth that God's word has told us is that there is one God who created all things and that all of us have sinned before that holy God. That's the truth that we need to not be okay with. And the truth is that that same God has sent his own son. He loved us so much that he sent his own son, Jesus. You got to know Jesus. He sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay for our sins so that we can be reconciled to him. And through faith in Jesus, our sins are paid for. His blood has paid the price for my sin so that I can be forgiven. And Jesus didn't just die, but he rose from the dead. And what we read earlier is that that same power that raised Christ from the dead is power that God puts in us to live in the life that God has for us and his power and to be a part of this family that we've been talking about. And it's through faith in Christ. It's not through our own works. It's not through anything that we can do to reconcile ourselves to God. That's the truth that we need to know. The greatest truth that has love behind it. The hardest truth that has love behind it. We need to speak that to each other. Praise the Lord for his plan. This next song that we're going to sing is Give Us Clean Hands, God. Give Us Pure Hearts. That should be the desire of our heart as a church not just that we be clean, but that we be prepared to have relationship with God, intimacy with God. And in doing that, we're going to find that we have greater relationship and intimacy with each other.
So let's sing this song and worship the Lord together.
Father, we do want to be a generation that seeks your face. And God, just like you took a man who was messed up, like Jacob, and you chose him to do a mighty work, to create the nation of Israel, to ultimately create a way of salvation for us. God, you have chosen us, the weaker things. God, for your glory and your purpose. God, help us to find how it is that you've designed us, how you want to use us, and God, help us to walk in that so that we can benefit your body and to enjoy, God, to enjoy your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.